Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Coming to you live today from the RVN Television Studios, as always. If you're a business owner and you've thought about exiting your business, uh, you've heard about the strategic buyer, you've heard about private equity buyers, uh, today's guest is going to talk to us about a unique way to exit your business, and I'm pleased to welcome Dominic Wells, who is the CEO and founder of Onfolio Holdings. Dominic, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. That's a pleasure to have you. Uh, before we dive in, I'd like you just to introduce yourself to the audience, a little bit about you and a little bit about Onfolio. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the founder of Onfolio, as you mentioned, and Onfolio buys digital businesses, always businesses that are online as opposed to, say, a brick and mortar entity. And that's really what my background has been over the last 10 years. I've, I've learned how to build online businesses, whether that's uh, a marketing agency, a software business, a publishing division, something like that. Um, yeah. So are you purchasing companies in their entirety or are you also doing minority interest investments? Uh, so far it's been in the entirety. Maybe, maybe we buy 90% or 80%, but it's always been a controlling interest. Got it. So I guess the first uh, thing to really dive into is maybe do the quick compare and contrast and um, talk a little bit about what your we'll call them uh, unique differentiators are relative to the uh, traditional methods that I mentioned at the top of the show, the private equity and the strategics. I think for us is most of the businesses we're buying are created by solo founders or a, a team of two or three founders and they've grown their business to maybe $5 million in, in enterprise value. And at that level, they kind of don't really know what to do next, how to kick on to the next level. And some of them do figure that out and go on to build something significantly larger. But a lot of them really are kind of ready to move on to the next thing. And so we come in because that's, and that's been our bread and butter for a long time. We understand exactly what type of business this is and how to grow it and who we need to find to add to say an advisory board or, or uh, to the C-suite of the business. Um, so I think really the differentiator we have is that we, you know, we're one of them. We, we understand everything about what it's taken them to build this business and where they're coming from. So if somebody becomes a part of your portfolio, um, what, what can they expect the involvement to be in, in terms of day-to-day -day operations of their company? Yeah, it really depends. Uh, we keep each business decentralized um, so we don't come in and take over the operations ourselves. But a lot of founders are looking to move on and leave. So part of the challenge for us is figuring out, okay, is there someone in the company who can run it already? Is there someone we can promote and uh, kind of handhold a little bit? Or is there a need for us to hire someone externally? Um, but as long as management is in place, we to some extent leave the business to, to do its own thing and, and we act as like a board of advisors to it. Yeah, and how have people been finding you, Dominic? Uh, well, I've built a pretty large network over the years. I speak at conferences. Um, we're one of the only public traded companies in our uh, kind of in our industry, so we've got a lot of visibility. So 
there's a lot of people who just know about us and when they're thinking about exiting we're you know either at the top or near the top of the the list of people they reach out to yeah and you mentioned that you're a public company and i think that's an interesting point that's worth expounding on a little bit because that gives you, like you said, visibility. It gives you access to capital that maybe some of the uh, the competitors or alternatives uh, can't bring to the table. Uh, talk a little bit about why you pursued uh, becoming a public company and what that's been like for you personally. Yeah, you touched upon it a bit already. It was a little bit about the visibility and the ability to offer something that other buyers couldn't offer. So that could be uh, not just being able to say offer stock or preferred stock instead of cash, uh, but also it's a lot easier for us to offer upside. Um, some people want to join the portfolio portfolio and not just maintain a, um, a percentage ownership of their business, but to gain some level of ownership in the entire portfolio. Uh, and the same is true for attracting talent and um, uh, investors and raising capital. And how it's been, uh, well, we've been public since October 2022, so about just over a year. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a pretty tough time in the capital markets in the past year. Uh, things do look like they're getting somewhat better this week. <laughs> so we'll see what happens next week. But um, yeah, it, it's been overall, it's been a pretty good learning experience. And we have achieved most of our goals in terms of uh, the visibility and the access and everything. So um, we're pretty pleased with that. Yeah. And what, what's the investment criteria? I mean, what's an ideal fit for you for anybody who's out there in the audience uh, thinking that this is something they may be interested in exploring? Well, yeah, as I mentioned, we kind of have a, a, a mandate and a focus to stick to online businesses. But then from there, it needs to be something which is already profitable maybe preferably a million dollars in, in profit, maybe up to say $5 million in profit. Anything larger than that is a little bit too large for us um, at the present time. And it's something that we want to be growing, but we're okay if it's just, um, I don't want to say stagnating, but just kind of holding steady. Um, and something that we ourselves are capable of understanding. And so a lot of online businesses the product is important, but it's really about what's the marketing like, what's the operations like. And so many businesses might monetize a different way, but the fundamentals underneath them are the same. And so as long as we, we know that we can understand this and we're able to both analyze the business before buying it and understand the operations once it's been acquired, um, that's a key thing for us as well. So are we able to actually be a good owner of this business. Yeah, and with um, a million to, to five million in profit as kind of the mandate that you're, you're working with smaller companies that may have otherwise not had access to uh, an exit like this. So as you're looking at these types of businesses, recognizing that they're on, online businesses only, how important is the, the management team relative to the underlying business or technology? Um, yeah, it's one of the most important things. And one of the biggest challenges we have is during the analysis stage, we're asking ourselves, okay, if the founder of this business wants to leave, um, what is that going to do to the business? Is, is it going to survive without them? If it's this small, 
is the founder doing a ton of the biz dev themselves or generating sales themselves or fulfilling the, the product or service? Um, and quite often they are. So we just think, okay, this isn't a good fit for us. Um, and yeah, having a strong team backing up that founder is, is equally important, but probably less less important than that, that key man that key man issue. Yeah, so look, you've been there and done that, and you know what it's like to build the business. I'm gonna give you an opportunity here uh, to just talk briefly about, um, maybe get on your soapbox, really, and, and, and pound that point home. If you're talking to uh, potential sellers of their businesses down the road, what's your advice for them in terms of how they should be thinking about their role as you know, the key person in an organization and building out a management team? Um, if you want to exit one day, I think, yeah, the best thing to do is um, try to build out, build the business so that it really doesn't rely on you. And I mean, I think realistically, it's always going to rely on you to some extent because you're going to have such deep embedded knowledge about what makes the business tick. So it's not going to be completely passive. And if it is, then maybe you don't need to sell it. Um, but for example, when I sold my first business, I did a lot of content marketing for it and it was always I and me and uh, I was the, the host of the podcast. Um, I was the face of the brand and I thought, okay, if I want to sell this in two years, I need to change that. So I hired one of my team members to take over the podcast and he was actually better than me anyway. Uh, and I started writing we and, uh, and us and the brand name and stuff in all of our um uh, in all of our communications and it meant it was a lot easier for a buyer to come in and feel confident that with me out of the picture the business was still going to function um, and it's funny because people often don't want to do that because hiring people and building yourself out of the business reduces the profit levels of that business but it ultimately leads to a higher exit multiple that you're going to get anyway so and it might make the difference between being able to exit or not. So it's well worth doing. Yeah. Uh, Dominic, for folks who are watching, listening, want to learn more about you and on Folio Holdings, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, you can email dom at onfolio.com, so just D-O-M. And also, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, dom Wells on Folio is my Twitter handle, so people can find me there or, or LinkedIn as well. Okay. Uh, Dom, before we uh, take you down a rabbit hole, we're going to take a quick break here and pay a few bills. So you sit tight. Uh, you out there watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. There's an old expression in business that you can't manage what you can't measure. Business performance and business valuation, it's all measured by the numbers. But I've learned that the real lessons and the tough decisions that are made occur behind the numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. Join me and my guests as we go behind the numbers to understand what really matters most in business. I love that we both got an awesome network and saved money doing it. I know, $25. I love that it's guaranteed for three years. Switch and get Welcome Unlimited for $25 a line. Guaranteed for three years. Verizon. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Iorio. I'm the host of Rainmakers Roundup right here on RVN TV. The show is about looking for people who are in competitive businesses that are doing something different and unique in the world of sales and marketing. 
Join me right here on Rainmakers Roundup on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. and then again on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m. right here on RVN-TV. Oh, okay. Easy does it. We switched to Liberty Mutual and saved $652. They customize your car insurance, so you only pay for what you need. With the money we saved, we thought we'd try electric unicycles. Careful, babe. Saving was definitely easier. Hey, babe, I think I got... And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about a different and unique way to exit your business with Dominic Wells, who's the CEO and founder of Onfolio Holdings. Um, and Dominic, I want to start this second segment uh, by having you speak to um, the, the folks out there who are business owners uh, across all platforms, honestly, because you do a lot of due diligence in vetting your deals. Uh, and I wanted to get your perspective on the types of things that we'll call them deal killers or red flags for you as you're going through your diligence process um, that the audience can take to heart as they're thinking about their day-to-day -day operations. Yeah, sure. So we've already talked about the number one thing is a business that's not really sellable because it relies too much on the founder. So it might be a great, a great business to own, um, but not necessarily a good one to buy uh, just because what's going to happen after that founder steps away. Uh, some of the other things we look at are um, too much reliance on one thing for generating revenue. So it could be maybe 80% of your revenue comes from one client or, or product, or it could be one marketing channel um, generates all of the, the traffic. So, for, you know, as, as it's always online businesses for us, um, they could have one page on their site that ranks at the top of Google, or they could have one successful Facebook advertising funnel. Um, and without, without that one thing or without that one client, a, a huge chunk of the business could fall away. And so making the business as diversified as possible, um, well, not too diversified because then you could end up diluting the, you know, the specialization that you're good at and so on. But yeah, not wanting to be too reliant on one thing. Um, I think another thing is maybe unrealistic growth expectations. There's a lot of founders who think, okay, maybe my business is worth $1 million now, but it's going to be worth 20 in the future. So I want to sell it for 10 now. And then as a buyer, you come in and you think, well, it's only worth one. Why should I pay 10? Um, and so uh, there can be a little bit of a, a kind of dissonance between the buyer's expectations and, and the seller's expectations. So I think there really all you need to do is not necessarily change anything in your business, but maybe educate yourself on how businesses are typically valued and so that you can almost think, okay, if, if I want to exit for a certain price in the future, then I need to get the business to a certain level now and you can kind of back into it uh, over time. Yeah, and you really touched on something that hits my world personally because in my day-to-day -day job I'm helping my clients in business valuation. And uh, when you talk about unrealistic growth expectations, it, the term of art generally is the old hockey stick forecast where things are chugging along like the flat blade of the stick and then when we look to the future, boom, there's the, the trajectory where it's off into the future. And oftentimes, it's just uh, an un unrealistic expectation. And valuation is really about risk. 
Uh, and the, the more you can de-risk a business, generally the greater the valuation. So th the question here for you is when, you, when you're looking at financial statements that your, uh, your, your potential sellers are, are going to be showing you, how important to you as a buyer is it that they have an audited statement or a reviewed statement, for example, as opposed to just a, we'll call it a QuickBooks dump? Um, it's important, but for us, in 90% of cases, they only have, say, like the QuickBooks dump. So um, we're kind of used to going in and figuring it out for ourselves. Um, as a public company, we do need to audit most of our acquisitions um, before we can close, but um, we usually will handle the audit ourselves. And so the business needs to have good enough books that it can be audited and that we can piece everything together. We've had businesses we've looked at with cash accounting and their e-commerce businesses, and we think cash accounting doesn't really represent the profitability of the business. Um, or some types of businesses. And so we kind of have to rebuild the books in accrual sometimes. And uh, for some businesses, that's really simple. Doesn't, you know, you can actually do it in QuickBooks and it, it kind of works out. But for other businesses, you really, it, it's a painstaking process. And sometimes we reach the point where we think, you know, we believe your numbers and we think this business probably is profitable to the amount that you say it is, but um, we just can't, we can't replicate it at our end, so it makes it very difficult. Um, so I don't know. I don't know about other industries, so I don't want to speak for everyone. But it's it's a nice thing to have if you can have reviewed or audited financials. Uh, it certainly speeds things up. But um, the most important thing is just having good bookkeeping and good. Uh, records and invoices and everything so that a potential buyer can come in and roll their sleeves up if they have to. Yeah. Are there any particular niches in online businesses that you find are more attractive, more profitable? Uh, well, software has the highest margins and has generally got recurring revenue. So that's um, typically you know, like 85% margins or something. So uh software is great typically it's more expensive to buy but um for for obvious reasons we also find um some businesses are better because you can they cash flow pretty well so you don't need to keep injecting more capital into them whereas other businesses might have high uh cash flow working capital needs and so you have to decide if you if you're comfortable with having to inject capital back into the business sometimes you sometimes um, very soon after an acquisition and then you have to figure out like a networking capital concept during the, the due diligence. Um, so we prefer stuff that's a little bit more asset light and doesn't require um, a ton of further investment. But I think other people, it depends on what the skill sets are and what kind of mental models they're working with. Right. And Dom, for folks who want to learn more about you or on Folio, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Sorry, one sec. I didn't hear that. Could you repeat that? Yeah. Uh, for folks out there in the audience who would like to learn more or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? All right. Try one more time. Yeah. Third time's the charm. Okay. Uh, just tell the audience how they can connect with you, Dominic. 
Oh, okay. Nothing important then. <laughs> um, yeah, just find me on, on Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, Dom Wells on Folio, and you can also email me, dom at onfolio.com. There you go. Yeah, nothing too important. Now let's go back to the important stuff. Um, we spent a good amount of time talking about advice for business owners and, and how they can become ready for sale. Let's, um, let's take it back to you and Onfolio for a moment here and talk about what the future looks like for you guys. Um, any, any visibility on the next year or two for Onfolio? Um, yeah, I mean, the plan for us is to continue to leverage being a public company to make uh, profitable acquisitions and keep growing our revenues and our, our retained earnings and um, drive substantial growth for shareholders. And so we've we've had a pretty good year, really, maybe not from a financial perspective, but from a learning and building out a systems perspective. And so we kind of feel like we've we've built the platform we need to take the company onto the next level. So that's the uh, that's what 2024 is really going to encapsulate. Yeah, and do you have any uh, strategic goals for the number of acquisitions you'd like to have completed over the next year or two? Uh, well, it's less about the number, like a quantity, and more about doing as many good ones as we can. Um, but I'd like to be, I'd like to see us north of 10 million in revenue by the end of, or probably the middle of 2024, and we're at about 6 million now, so basically doubling our revenue. Nice. So when you think about these online businesses that you're looking to acquire, um, risk profiles, let's discuss that. What, what are some of the particular risks that you're seeing that are associated with an online business that maybe you don't experience if you were to look at the brick and mortar, which I know you don't? Yeah, uh, well, we talked about a few already, some of the, the red flags we see in due diligence. And I think in addition, I think online business uh, typically evolves a lot faster than offline business and so you might have a business that's doing really well and then two years later it's become obsolete um, maybe AI has come in and disrupted it or uh, it's based around a, a certain strategy that doesn't work anymore um, and so I think business model risk is another big potential potential risk just thinking is this um, is this business even going to be around in you know in two or three years that's that's a big one how do you get your mitts around that? Um, sometimes you can't, so you just have to move on and buy a different business. But um, uh, it, it just takes experience and generally an understanding of um, where you think the internet's going, uh, but also um, asking yourself if this business is actually able to kind of disrupt itself so, you know, for example, if we have a, a marketing agency, maybe the services that it's offering are not going to work in two years or, or not going to be popular in two years, but marketing is probably going to be popular for a very long time. So, you know, you kind of ask yourself, all right, is this business able to evolve along with the internet or is it kind of a one-trick pony? So, um, yeah, that's that's a very important element. Yeah, so artificial intelligence is everywhere. Are you using AI tools in any of your diligence processes, Dom? Uh, a little bit in due diligence because you can you can uh, get ChatGPT to uh, you can upload PLs and ask it to build models based on um, uh, trends of revenue and, and customer churn and stuff like that, and it can. It can just speed up the process of what you would normally do manually. 
but uh, we ha we don't use it that extensively yet. We'd like to, um, and I think in the near future we'll be able to. Great. Dominic, we're just about to the end of the program here, but I wanted to give you the last word in about 60 seconds or so just uh, to talk to uh, business owners out there uh, with any additional advice or guidance that you may have. Um, your call where you take it. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is um, trying to plan ahead, particularly if we're talking about an exit, really think even if you don't want to exit in three years, think about if I did want to exit in three years, what steps would I take now? And then just work on that and sort of your life will be a lot easier in the future and you'll be a lot more uh, flexible if, if, if the need arises. Yeah, and I, I've often heard it told that you, you always want to be planning for an exit uh, even when you're not thinking about exit because look, life happens and uh, there may be a need and you always want to be exit ready. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. And you never know what's going to happen. And also, typically, the things you need to do to make a business exit ready generally are the things you need to do to build a better business anyway. So even if you never exit, you'll probably end up better off for, for having done all those things. Well said. And that's a mic drop moment right there. So we're going to drop the mic and, and just say thank you for joining us today, uh, Dominic, on Behind the Numbers. It was great to having you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. It's been a pleasure. We've been talking with Dominic Wells, the CEO and founder of Onfolio Holdings. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm known for helping my clients in valuing their businesses. And I want to give a shout out to the Big Cheese again for working the board, making things run smoothly here. And thank you out there to the audience for watching and listening. We can't do the show without you. That's all we have for today, folks. We will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.